Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 308. Today is Sunday the 23rd of December 2018. And a quick shout out and thanks to The Marketing Shark for his podcast review on iTunes. I'd love it if you all would consider dropping in your reading too, of course. And just before introducing my guest for this week, I wanted to point out that I'm happy to feature your questions. For this purpose, I've set up a specific email, nminterdial at gmail, to which you can send me an audio file with your question, and I'll endeavor to answer it on a following podcast. On to this week's guest, who is Rob Walsh, VP of Podcast Relations at Libsyn, the world's largest podcast network, with over 35,000 podcasts hosted and serving over 62 million audience members monthly. In this podcast with Rob, we discuss the state of the business of podcasting, why and how brands and companies could get into podcasting, what does the future of podcasting hold, and some key tips and tricks for podcasting. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss branding and all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host, and you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, MinterDial.com. Enjoy the show. Rob Walsh, thank you for coming on to the Minter Dialogue. I got to hear about you when I was listening to my friend Adrian Swinsco. He had you on the show and that immediately made me jealous and said, I got to have you on my show. So Rob, thanks for coming on to the show. Tell us uh, who you are and what you do at Libsyn. Well, first, thanks for having me on your show. And I am the VP of Podcaster Relations, which means my job is to talk to other podcasters such as yourself. <laughs> so what I do is I, I work with other podcasters, help them get launched, um, help bring them over to Libsyn, or answer questions, and and then help connect them with uh, monetization in some cases. And, and more often, um, what I do a lot is with business development, help launch uh, different partnerships like we just launched with um, Pandora last month and Radio Public. So we are helping, you know, I think my biggest job is helping podcasters get out to more places. It is part of our daily challenge. So how long have you been at Libsyn and what made you come to them? I have been with Libsyn since uh, 11 and a half years now, so since August of 2007. I started podcasting myself in 2004, which is when Libsyn started, and I knew of them, and I started using them in March of 2005. And two years later, I was promoting them so much, they came to me and said, would, would you like a job with us? And I said, absolutely. So, so for that's how I came to them. So, I've been a customer since 2005. Exactly. So for those of us or listeners who are not podcasters, they're listening to you. But they may not be aware of what is Libsyn and what is that. So the whole ecosystem behind you. Libsyn is the largest of the podcast hosting companies as far as downloads go and media files go. Uh, we had um, last year 23% of the media files that are hosted in iTunes, Apple Podcasts globally. We had 30% of the downloads. Nobody else was even 10% in those numbers. So a lot of people don't know who we are, but they know the podcasts that host with us. So they know the Joe Rogans and the Mark Marins and the Sam Harris and the Lore and, um, and and a lot of the other big podcasters that host with us. They just don't realize they're on Lipson. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, some of the nuts and bolts for those of us who podcast. So tell us, you, you since you've been at, at uh, Lipson for so long now, I mean, that's over 11 years. You, you've seen a whole lot of change in the business. I, I'm thinking that Rob says, 
I picked the right horse in terms not only of Libsyn, but the media of podcasting. Tell us in uh, where you think the state of the union is in terms of podcasting. Well, yeah, you know, a few years back, people asked me, you know, seven, eight years ago, what's the future of podcasting? And I was like, it's mobile. It's mobile, mobile, mobile. I was telling people that when the iPhone came out, I go, this is the future of podcasting. And, it, and that really is, is what it's come to be. The state of podcasting today is 85% of downloads are direct to mobile devices. Now, what's interesting is that is skewed heavily iOS. It's over 5 to 1 ratio, iOS to Android, on those downloads. That means on a per-handset basis, it's like 25 times more consumption on the typical iOS device than the typical Android device. So when you ask where the future is, there's, there's only one place where growth is really possible in, in any significant manner, and that's on the Android side. It's going to remain mobile, but I think eventually we're going to see some Android pick up, and, and that ratio is going to drop down to maybe 2 to 1. Um, I still think iOS will, will always be ahead of Android just um, in the nature of how people use smartphones. Uh, they use iOS devices when they want more than a phone. A lot of people use Android devices just because they want a phone, and that's it. But it's still dis- it's still too disparate. Um, the <laughs> ratio is yeah. way off. Well, it, it must speak to the Android user that you know a says I only want a phone, and and presumably a large number of these Android users are in parts of the world that may not be as familiar with podcasting in general as well. I mean, let's say in, in, in other parts of the world where Android is, is more affordable than an iOS. Right, and there's still not a true native solution on Android. I mean, there's Google Podcasts, but that's native code. If you still want to get the Google Podcast app, you have to go into the Google Play Store and you got to download the app which is really just a wrapper or um, an icon that then enables the code. And, and that's not a native experience. So the experience right now for the end users on Android when they buy a phone and they take it home and open it up for the first time, there's no native app in there for podcasting yet. There's not an icon that they can just click without having to go and, and know to, to download something. And, and I think that's a big issue. Hopefully Google will address that. In the near future, maybe some of the handset manufacturers will address that, but that's something that that needs to be taken care of. Uh, once there is an icon that's native on Android, I think that will help um, narrow the gap. I've been following over the last years. Every three years, I do what I call a state of the union, and I attempt, in my best ability, to get a macro feeling for the number of podcasts, those that are active by countries and languages and so on. And it strikes me that there's been something of a plateau on the overall number of podcasts. That's what I understand, just over half a million and only a couple hundred thousand that are active. Well, yeah. Okay, so Apple, the plateau really is just Apple doesn't update the number all that often. The latest number from scraping the APIs and everything is like 610,000 podcasts. Um, and yeah, only, only a couple hundred thousand of that, that 600,000 have released a new episode in the last year. So the number of active podcasts is, is in the couple hundred thousand range. Um, especially when you bring it down to, you know, the one number that have released in the last 90 days, then it's, it's well under 200,000 that are actively podcasting. Right. So then at some level, that's an issue of supply. Whereas um, 
there's going to be a lot more listening demand if you if you listen to you about the Android guys. Mm-hmm. What where do you see the bottleneck and and how is is there a an issue of saturation that sort of kept the number of podcasts active, you know, especially in the last twenty days? Going no, higher. I mean, people have said, you know, people try to say, oh, there's too many podcasts. Uh, even at 200,000 or six, even at 600,000, that's a tiny number when you compare it to the 600 million blogs that are out there. And when you consider there's more time in the day to consume audio than there is to watch a, um, a video or read um, a blog. So we're nowhere near saturation point. Um, there's been a lot of podcasts that have come in recently for, from a couple of free services but those podcasts have have astronomically high mortality rate because the barrier of entry was so low that they come in. Hi, is this microphone working? Hello, hello. Click, click. You know, tapping on the microphone. Is this working? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm a podcaster. And then they go away and, that, and they do two episodes. And, you know, the first one is this is working. The second one is, hey, mom, I'm a podcaster. And then the, you know, there's no third one. Um. So. The, it's not a bad thing that there's a barrier to entry to podcasting because when there's not, you, you get a lot of what you got in the blog world. Yeah, there's a lot noise. of the 600 million is it's just total crap where the the uh, average number of blog subscribers is like three. Um, so, you know, there's one service out there, free service for podcasting. The median number of downloads is zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's zero. It's the like, median number of downloads. It's like, wow, okay, it's zero. Because over half the shows don't don't get any plays. So over these years, with all there there are, has been obviously considerable movement in podcasting, considering the amount of uptake there has been, especially in the West. But I mean, obviously also in the East. What have you seen in terms of trends as to the supply? What on on, on the types of podcasts that are coming out that are more successful and. And and you know things I'm thinking about are, are also the length, uh, the type, you know the the, the themes that is that are around. Well, okay, first thing we should talk about is the length because there's a lot of misconceptions about what's the right length for a podcast. And the simple answer is there is no right length, but the worst answer is 22 minutes. Or somebody says something like less than half an hour, because that's just based on nothing. It's based on some folks that came from radio that that tried to impose those numbers over on podcasting. When you actually look in the podcasting world, and we did this. And we looked on Libsyn, and we saw the shows getting 100,000 downloads per episode. And what we found, 84% of those shows with 100,000 downloads per episode were 51 minutes or longer. And, and less than 10% were 30 minutes or shorter. More than that were two hours or longer. So there was more shows that were two hours or longer than there were that were 30 minutes or less in the, t- in the, in the most popular shows. And that's where people are voting. You know, That's where the listeners are voting. And if you go into Apple Podcasts and you look at those surveys, the numbers are pretty same. You can look at the top 200 episode list anytime, and you can look at the length of the episodes. And what you'll find is over two-thirds are 44 minutes or longer overall in general. Um, so length of episode you know, is one thing I always try to tell people. Don't worry. You can't be too long. You can only be too boring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Don't do long for long sake. Mm-hmm. Absolutely don't. Yeah. But don't shorten your episode because somebody that came out of radio said, oh, you need to be 22 minutes. That's the average commute time. Da, da, da. Uh, that's just horse crap. Well, what about the uh, the themes that you're seeing in terms of, let's say, not just the most popular, but where, where, sign of, you know, where are more people doing what more? Well, obviously, 
true crime podcasts. There's a lot of those out there, and you know, they're, and they're and then they're true crime with humor and true crime with wine. There's there's the wine and crime podcast. I mean, there's there's tons of true crime podcasts, and uh, yeah, th- th- those are fine, and they get some good audiences. Uh, people like that, especially those skew heavily towards females. So that's good to get more podcasts that skew that way. Mm-hmm. History podcasts have always been very w- well received, and and there's more and more of those people like that. But comedy podcasts are still number one, mm-hmm. regardless of what you may hear elsewhere. Comedy podcasts, without a doubt, are still the most popular. People like to laugh. I mean, it's just a common thread through humanity. People like to laugh. People like to be educated. Hence the history podcast and learning things you were supposed to learn in school you didn't now you can learn on a podcast while you're driving to and from work you feel less guilty when you're listening to something that's educating you so so there's still a lot of that but then there's a lot of you know what we see more and more is a lot of niche podcasts that get into a specific topic they're not looking for 800,000 downloads per episode they're looking for 800 per episode and at 800 they're very successful i mean the chameleon breeder podcast is one i give as an example it's a podcast focused specifically for chameleon breeders hmm. not people that own chameleons we're talking about the niche of people that actually breed chameleons mm-hmm. that's and brilliant. i think that's the you know that's the beauty of podcasting is the power is in, is in the niche and and while the big ones get a lot of the headlines of Joe Rogan's uh, on the comedy side or Dan Carlin on the history side. It, it's the little guys that like the chameleon breeders that actually show the real power of podcasting where you as a, a listener can go find a podcast on almost any topic you want. And if you do find a topic that's not covered, hence you've got a podcast you should be doing. Totally. So uh, when you look, when you look, uh, one of the things uh, I wanted to talk about was this Joe Rogan phenomenon, where the what it was weeks ago he did something with Eric Weinstein for over four hours. So he's got ninety million downloads per month. He's obviously becoming a rock and roll star. I, I'm not sure if I would characterize him as comedy, especially when you listen to him speaking to Weinstein. Where we're talking astrophysics and the sex life of hyenas, but. What, what do you his mean? is a pot. His is a comedy. He'll tell you it's a comedy. Podcast. I know, I know. I mean, but it's an intellectual comedy podcast. I mean, you can have it both ways. But more than anything else, it's an entertainment show. Yeah. All right. And, but he considers it comedy. It's in the comedy section. One of the things I particularly appreciate about his and, and a few of the others is the fact that he has uh, immediate uh, fact checking. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, yeah. it, it brings his, a his whole... audience. Yeah, it brings a whole lot of authenticity to it, and he's called to the task if he screws up or says something wrong. Yeah, and, and you know, Joe is a, is a unique talent. You know, a lot of people, oh, I want to do, I'm going to be like Joe Rogan, and I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you have to look at Joe Rogan's history. If you look at who he is as a person, you realize, okay, he was like 19 and 20. He was Taekwondo champion in the United States, and he got bored with that and said, you know what, I'm going to become a comedian. And a couple of years later, he's on a talk show, uh, you know, television sh- um, uh, show in the United States as Joe the janitor, and then later on in uh, you know uh, Fear Factor. You know, he he's. He is an incredible talent and uh, a true renaissance man. And there's not many people in the world that have Joe's level of talent. Um, you know, he, he is the white rhino. <laughs> For sure. A chameleon by another name. Um, and with regard to, uh, obviously, Joe Rogan's part of it, this intellectual dark web movement, which 
so-called anyway, with uh, the features of um, Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, and the Femme Spainers. The, this, what do you make of all of that movement? How do you see those types of podcasts as a group? Well, I think the most important thing to think about of, of those is they have a platform where they are not restricted. And, you know, they're doing shows they couldn't have done on the radio. And, and in many cases, getting audiences larger. I mean, Joe Rogan's audience, if, if you were to take his audience per episode, and, and he would be a top 25 syndicated radio show in the United States based on his numbers. And, and he does it just as a podcast. Sam Harris would be pretty close right behind. Um, Sam's numbers are really, really good. Um, and, and they are free to do what they want. In Sam's case, he doesn't even take advertising. Um, if you listen to his show, you'll you'll hear that you know he's like I'm going to make this you know sponsor driven, and um, he he won't take ads. Uh, he could make a lot of money if he wanted, but he doesn't want to gummy up the works with advertising. He just wants to go and do his show. Uh, and a lot of these other guys in that cabal of whatever you want to call them, um, and they cross promote each other and, and you yeah. know they're on each other's shows. Um, they have a huge audience uh, and very influential. When they ask their audience to do something, they do it. And, and they have a, a, a lot of in, influence out there. <laughs> if you're a politician in the United <laughs> States and you want to run for public office, you really need to get to know these guys. That's exactly um, right. I, I think the same thing for mass media. They need to know, be an understanding of that movement and, and the the why that's working and the Rogans and Harrises are, are getting such an audience as opposed to the let's call it the issue that media has, especially in the United States, but elsewhere as well. And they're all good. I mean, they're all very talented folks. And I like Sam Harris's podcast. I listen to it as well. And, and you know, what do you want to call Sam's podcast? Do you want to call it a political podcast? Do you want to call it a, a new wave psychology podcast? I, I think it's, uh, it's under, I think it's under psychology, if I'm not mistaken, in, in iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's a neuroscientist, right? So right, right. I think I, I like to call him making sense of the world. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. And, and I love his meditation as well. So if you are, you look at them um, and, and the way media has, has been trying to get into podcasting, that's called mass media, whether it's NPR, BBC or, or American ABC and so on. How do you evaluate them and, and what kind of a job do you think they're doing? What, if you had them on the, on the line right now, what would you tell them to do better? Well, I think a lot of them, the biggest mistake they do is they just repurpose what they have. You know, and, and that's okay if they want to do that and they want to repurpose it. Um, but they miss out on the opportunity of creating something original um, that wouldn't fit on the radio and taking chances. So I always, you know, when I do actually do talk to radio folks, I say, take a chance. Do something that's outside your comfort zone that you wouldn't normally put on the radio. Use podcasting as your testing zone test hmm. out a new format a new show a new topic and see if it gets legs if it does then you can put it on the air and you, you if it doesn't you don't so what i say when i actually do talk to radio stations is you know you have a morning dj and he likes talking about woodworking all the time let him do a podcast on woodworking and he'll maybe he'll stop talking about it on the air so much and see what kind of audience he gets from it um you know you have these talented individuals radio personalities they know how to communicate very well 
free them up from the binds, the corporate binds of what they're allowed to talk about and let them talk about what they want to talk about. And you'll be surprised what you hear and what you get. Mm. Now, some of them will let you down. Some of them are just a really good voice but have no ideas. But, but most of them will actually do a good job and, and, and they've got the voice and they'll have some good ideas and they'll be able to combine that and grow a unique audience that never would have happened if radio didn't, you know, played by the normal rules. Don't put anything that might be semi-controversial or is only too niche. You know, don't put anything niche. Why have to be broadcast? Podcasting is the opposite of broadcasting. Makes me think of two things: the um, South by South, sorry, not South, the Southwest Airlines, which uh, encourages their flight attendants to sing and rap. And most of the airlines are sort of still hamstrung with these these ideas of regulations and making sure everyone puts down their newspaper to buckle their seatbelt. And and yet on the other side they're 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 wrapping the song, which may not be quite as easy to understand, but it sure as heck gets a lot more engagement. Yeah, and they're funny and they have they tell jokes. I, I fly Southwest, <laughs> you know, and and they try to have a little bit of fun, put you at ease. I mean, you're in a metal tube flying through the air at 500 plus miles per hour, and you and you know if you really think about it, you go, "Why am I in this thing? <laughs> Why am I doing this?" And you have no control, so they're just trying to make you feel a little better. Yeah, and then the second point is that your your point is really well taken. It's it's this notion of treating your employees like adults, and to the extent that you have your mass media and you've recruited journalists who went to journalism school, and they're frustrated because of other things, well. Let it, give them this chance. And the worst thing that can happen is you can have zero downloads because <laughs> it's just another you know, graveyard. Yeah, I mean, radio, one of the things they really have to watch out for is newspapers. Newspapers have journalists. They have a way to, to promote their, their content. And they're starting, a lot of these uh, newspapers are starting to get into podcasting and releasing some really good podcasts. So, you know, you've got you know, radio, you know, they've got a lot of competition. It's not just the indie podcasters. It's, it's, it's also the, the, the newspapers. And newspapers are desperate for any, you know, do anything to try to, to, to drum up interest. You mentioned before this notion of Sam Harris not having advertising. And I think that the issue of business model of podcasting remains a challenge because let's say for the vast majority at the beginning anyway, it was all about free, just like blogging. Then little by little, advertising came in, influencers became influential, could, could garner contracts with their audience. As a media, what do you think of the challenges and the good ideas about monetizing your podcast? You know, I saw a string today on, um, uh, on one of the Google groups, and a guy said he, how he just enabled monetizing for his podcast. and. And he launched in September, and he's he's already gotten over a thousand downloads, and he gets twenty three downloads per episode. <laughs> and and he turned on monetizing, and I'm just like, oh my! It's not even putting the cart before the horse. There is no cart for twenty three <laughs> downloads. I mean, it, it, this you know, it's taken it's taken him three months to get to a thousand downloads, and the monetizing he turned on, he's going to get seven dollars per thousand. He's not even going to get two bucks a month. And he's going to put these ads in his show to annoy his audience. People worry about monetizing way too soon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you should be only thinking about growth, growth, growth when you start out and building an audience. Now, 
you get to Sam Harris's side, you have a lot of options when you get there. Um, Sam chose to go the, um, the the more of the donation model route. Uh, a lot of people do a hybrid. You know, uh, George, Dan Carlin does a hybrid model where you know donate a buck a show, and then he also has a, a, a short ad, very very short mention of an ad in the beginning, and then his real ad read is four and a half hours later at the end of the episode. Um, which really doesn't annoy the audience at all. You know, you listen to Dan Carlin for four and a half hours and then you hear an audible ad at the end. It's not a big deal. Uh, and a lot of times he's recommending a book that you can go and follow up on the subject you just listened to for four and a half hours. So it's actually more of a service than an ad. Um, but the point is, work on growing an audience. The, the, too many people try to put the cart before the horse. I'm like, that guy, literally, he says it right in the thing. He goes, I got 23 downloads per episode. And he was proud of that, saying he turned on monetizing. And I'm thinking, wow, you just don't get it. And and he's, you know what? You know where he's going to be six months from now? 21 downloads exactly. per episode. Exactly, of course, because right? he's pissed or off 18. at least 10%. Yeah. Well, 10% of 23 is right. not a big audience. No, that's exactly right. Um, and, and as far as you know, podcasters who are out there, whether they're brands or individuals, what do you think of as the best tips for them to get cranking? actually just get cranking i mean the best tip is just start creating content get it out do it um and then i i think the the next thing is once you start it engage with your listeners i think too many brands and big media companies don't actually engage with the listeners they they, they come from a standoffish point of view and and they need to change that uh they need to have you should have a call-in number you should have an email address where people can email you questions um, if you can engage your audience, make them part of your show, uh, you will get a loyal audience and you will get advocates and they will be out there or maybe acolytes is a better word. They're going to be out there promoting your show if they get on your show. And, and that is probably one of the things I see big media and brands do the do the worst at, which is engaging their audience, not really understanding this medium. And this medium is people are in control of it. Right? They can pause it, stop it, start it when they want. So they feel they're more in control of it, and they have a more personal feel and personal connection with the host. And when the host puts them at arm's length and says, you know, go away, I don't want to talk to you type, that hurts their feelings in the long run. Um, whereas where the host says, hey, come on in, give me your feeling, I want to hear what your thoughts are, I, I value what you're saying, that really makes for a stronger bond, a stronger relationship. One of the things that I've noticed, um, and maybe this is something I'm going to have to improve on, is that I kind of had people coming to comment on my show notes in my website, but that is just basically frittered away to nothing, so that the, the conversation is happening elsewhere, and and I, I need to get away from just thinking that people are going to comment, That's sort of you know, or like on YouTube, <laughs> I put up my show on YouTube as well. But it should be more about getting personal engagement. Yeah, I mean, the beginning of the show, middle of the show, end of the show, you should be giving out a call-in number, an email address, um, letting people know how, just to how directly can communicate with you. A lot of podcasters have um, – used to have Google Plus communities. Those are gone now, yep. right? Uh, but have a Facebook community. Have a place for your fans to get together and talk. If your show gets to you know a few hundred people or more, it's a good idea to have that. Um, but uh, yeah, don't expect a lot of interaction at your website. I, I, I try to explain to people: less than five percent of your audience 
is going to consume your show on average at your website. And the larger the show, the smaller that percentage. When you look at someone like a Dan Carlin, he's getting 0.001% or something like that that even comes to his website. Um, so don't overvalue your website if your podcast is the primary item. I mean, if your website, you should have a website. Don't get me wrong. Hmm. Um, and, and the website should be there if, if podcasting is, is primary, not you know not there to promote your website. But if your podcast is your primary goal, um, the website should just be there to support the podcast, a place to people to go and look at show notes and click on links. But a lot of that they can do already in, in the app in the aggregator apps on their mobile device where they're actually consuming it. And remember, it is a mobile world. You got to think mobile. Make sure your website is 100 percent mobile friendly. So if you're I appreciate that advice, Rob. That's really cool. Um, your podcast, your your business, and you want to get you want to you think that podcasting could be an alternative way to get my word out there. What are the challenges that brands are facing with well, the ones that you're accompanying? What kind of advice would you give them? I mean, obviously, you say go out and get get it, but what how how should they go about strategically making their podcast? And then, what are the challenges that they face about getting it out? I work um, for Disclosure. One of my personal clients is eBay, so I help eBay with the Selling on eBay podcast. Um, um, Trader Joe's hosts with us. Uh, John Deere hosts with us. So those are three really big brands, and they all have podcasts. So you have channels as a brand that you can promote your podcast. Trader Joe's, for example literally had people writing on the chalkboards inside Trader Joe's saying, listen to our podcast when they launched. So when you walked into a Trader Joe's show, you saw the, on, the, on the chalkboards at Trader Joe's mention of the podcast. So they were able to use their physical locations to help promote the fact they had a podcast. Um, John Deere has huge marketing, you know, incredible marketing company, you know, beyond obviously great tractors, but they are a marketing company you know, first and foremost. And, and they have a great marketing team, and they're getting word out about their podcast. And, and then selling on eBay, their podcast was actually geared towards the sellers. And there's communities where the sellers come together that eBay um, moderates and lets their sellers know that here's the podcast, which is a community tool for sellers. It's not for buyers. It's for sellers. And you know, come on in and listen to the latest advice and give us your questions. So – in, in many cases, these brands already have places where they can go to reach their clients to let them know the podcast is there, and they should do that because then what happens is word of mouth. That's ultimately how all these podcasts grow. It's by that person that came in, saw the podcast for Trader Joe's on the chalkboard, and it's not them getting that one person. It's that mom who came in and saw that and then tells the girls while they're waiting the next morning to – to, uh, or next afternoon to pick the kids up from school as they're standing outside the elementary school saying, I just heard this really great podcast, Trader Joe's, you should guys should check it out. You know, that's how it works. You got to get that word of mouth kick started and you already know where some of your audience is. So reach out to them. Up until recently, it was really hard to, to share your podcast. It seemed like, you know, first of all, you, you're listening to it and then, oh, that'd be really cool. That, that segment of a four-hour show for one friend, but you can't exactly send a four-hour show to the friend. You know what I mean? And, and things are getting better for the shareability as well. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's more and more tools that have come up over the over the years. Uh, uh, there was uh, early on there was a tool called Clamor, and you could you could share. Ultimately, though, um, it's not about you sharing as the host; it's about your audience. Sharing. Right? No, but I mean the audience sharing. You know, yeah, yeah. if you if you listen to uh, a Rogan show and something's really funny. But you, 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 you want to share that with somebody or on your website or on social. Hey, listen, check this out, what Rogan said. It, it, was, it was so it was uh, much harder to actually sort of dissect and pinpoint, much like you can do, you know, watch from here on YouTube. Yeah, there are more tools out there now for the audience yeah. um, to do that. Yeah. So but, um, what about discovery? Because it used to be that discovery was a problem. What kind of tips would you have for people who are listening in trying to I, discover better? I fall under this. I have never seen that there's been a discovery problem in podcasting. I've always felt that there's people that feel my podcast hasn't been discovered and say there's a discovery problem. <laughs> but ultimately, as a listener, if you wanted to find a podcast, you just open up iTunes and search for the topic and you find the podcast. Or um, now you can also open up Google Podcasts and Spotify and just do a quick search. You'll find more podcasts than you can consume. So from an end user to consumer point of view, finding podcasts isn't difficult. Um, and most people that listen to podcasts find it from asking their friends, what are you listening to? So it really is word of mouth. Um, most of the people I've and I've seen over the years that have complained about a discoverability of podcasting issue are podcasters whose podcast they feel hasn't been discovered and should have been. <laughs> I think cream rises. Right. You know. Well, what I was actually also thinking about was that even the word podcast to begin with. I used to call it in France in particular a, a, um, a tele, well, actually in French it was téléchargeable, a downloadable radio show, just instead of using this sort of word that was weird. But now it's become part of the, it's germane, it's part of our vocabulary. Just, I, wrote, I wrote an article in 2007, 2007, mind you, and there was a debate about whether the name podcast was the right name and i was like game over i was like <laughs> at that time apple microsoft and yahoo and blackberry all were using the word podcast i was like game over done um today apple and and and, and google and microsoft still use the name podcast it's it's that's the name that's it's, for sure you know, it's ubiquitous now it's like table chair podcast it's just the name um, and yeah, more and more people know what it is. And the, I think the best thing about podcasting that's happened in the last couple of years is that they're not just Apple podcasts. Now you've got Spotify, Pandora just came on board in the U S which is huge for those in the U S. Um, uh, you've had some other services, Deezer's trying to get into more podcasts and Deezer. Um, but the point is there, it's not just Apple podcasts and, and Google's now has a Google podcast. Hopefully that'll become native. Um, so it's becoming easier and easier for people to find out what podcasts are on their own. And, and I think that is, I think, one of the keys for the extra growth that we're seeing right now. So last question, Rob, uh, outside of your clients, because that's one kind of podcast, but what is Rob Welsh's uh, favorite podcast or the one you go to the most that, or at least, you know, maybe one you want to call out. Well, no, no, I, I've got three. To. I've got three, three podcasts that, that are my core ones that I go to hardcore history with Dan Carlin, mm -hmm. uh, revolutions with Mike Duncan and, um, and, and then, uh, Mac OS Ken with Ken Ray. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are my three. Um, I love a lot of this, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, mm -hmm. I was in Sam Harris, I was in Joe Rogan, but 
those are my three that you know um, float to the top of of mine because I love history podcasts and I go and listen to other history podcasts, uh, um, uh, the History Network, Angus, all of his stuff, um, and uh, uh, Ben Franklin's World with Liz. So there's a lot of other good history podcasts. Um, if you if you haven't listened to the History of Rome, Mike Duncan's first podcast, incredible series, listen through. Um, and there's other really good ones out there uh, on the history, but I'm a history buff, so I like history podcasts first and foremost. Beautiful. Well, uh, thank you for that. I, you know, I, I've done a documentary on Second World War, so I can only say I applaud and appreciate. Um, so, uh, how can anyone track you down, Rob? Follow what you're listening, writing about. Uh, well, yeah, if you right? have any questions on podcasting, you can always email me. Just rob at libsyn.com. L-I-B-S-Y-N stands for Liberated Syndication. So rob at libsyn.com. And then we also have a podcast that me and Elsie Escobar do called The Feed. So if you search for The Feed Libsyn. Uh, in iTunes or Spotify or Pandora or anywhere you basically if you search for the feed anywhere you listen to audio you will find our podcast fabulousness well uh, it wasn't 51 minutes uh, Rob but hopefully it was packed with good information for the listeners thanks for coming on the show and I'll be uh, keeping in touch alright have a great day thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue show You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on minterdial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please like the handy Facebook button. Or better yet, head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. But first, relax to Josh Sachs's finger paint. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way To rid me of the gray You mentioned in your lack of self-security Oh, I wouldn't care about the art form As long as you would feel warm Wrapped in canvas, hold me tightly Slowly we would paint a lover's portrait With all your favorite shades
Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.